to a green index a candid conversation on climate change and this is another cop 26 monologue <laughs> um the last one of these i pretty much just bashed the whole thing um it was not very objective so as promised i tried to follow what was happening did not do a great job of that but i think um it would be a little less emotional subjective um the lead is not going to do shit type of episode um i actually looked at what some of the outcomes um some of the statements they've made that have been um, released some of the things they, they're promising to work on and we gonna talk about that a little bit so um i think the first thing i saw which may possibly possibly have been one of the very very first um outcomes of cop 26 okay no before i get into that i would like to agree with everybody on the internet and say that for starters having world leaders from what like over 130 i think 119 countries fly like some of them most of them did not fly on commercial flights a lot of them took private jets to one location is very um anti-mitigation by just by default um i feel like a lot of them a lot more of them could have stayed where they were and have done virtual presentations or whatever they didn't have to fly there like so much for reducing carbon footprint that's just that's just i am in agreement with everybody else on the internet on that um but yeah back to outcomes one of the first ones i saw was a commitment to reduce deforestation and to like push reforestation and i think like that was the initial um the initial thing was land usage so um forest protection um restricting land usage where necessary and then the subsequent um outcome was a financial commitment i think of about was it 12 billion i'm not sure. i don't i'm not sure if that's the exact figure but i think that's what i saw um a financial commitment towards sustaining forestry that's basically what it was because in i think it was in the mitigation episode i talked about was it the mitigation, mitigation episode or the last cop episode i don't know but in a previous episode i was explaining that um forests are carbon sinks so what that means is that because plants need carbon dioxide for photosynthesis plants largely help reduce the level of carbon in the atmosphere and when you have a large forested area where you have lots of trees who are photosynthesizing um, in greater quantities then they're absorbing large quantities of carbon dioxide you know reducing um carbon in the atmosphere like simple so a great way to combat the rise would be to make sure that we're not getting rid of these carbon sinks because with deforestation not only are you losing the carbon sink so this plant that is taking carbon dioxide into its system but when we cut down a tree 
any carbon that is currently in the tree system is going to be released into the atmosphere. So do with what that what you will. So I think that's great. I think pushing to reduce deforestation is incredible. I think that is definitely a way to go. However, a large challenge with deforestation is that it is not just being done as like on the whim. It's not just like people um, just randomly cutting trees. There's usually, usually generally a reason for deforestation. So whether it's like development where the land is needed for um, residential areas or um, the wood is needed for structures or for furniture, that type of thing. And then in some countries, it's happening on the low because the land is needed for agricultural purposes. So there will be layers to addressing this where um, they may have to do like the reserves in Belize where there are sustainable timber practices. So whenever one tree is cut down, a new one is planted. So it's not that we're taking away people's livelihood um, but in relation to lumber, um, but like that's one way to address it. Um, in terms of the land clearing for like residential areas or for commercial areas, that is something we have to look into because as at, at present, like we have an ever growing global population of people who need space to live, who need houses to live in. So I'm not sure how they're going to go about combating deforestation in relation to needing the land space for those purposes um like they said there is going to be a thing about land usage so i guess the intention is to restrict what forested areas can be used for um that could potentially help but that i feel like is short-term fix because as the population gets bigger as it becomes more expensive to live in the more urban areas i think there is going to be a push of people moving into rural communities well not communities but rural areas forested areas and setting up like communities and little villages um and it is very possible that forested areas will suffer as a result of that so i guess it now comes to a national level where local governments will have to figure out how do we address this particular aspect of deforestation. What I did appreciate is that there were subsequent outcomes in relation to agriculture and innovation in agriculture. Um, I think by looking at agriculture in itself, that could potentially deal with the issues of agriculture as it relates to deforestation. Um, I did not go into depth into the like the agriculture um, outcomes yet, but I was happy to see them because one, because it's both, um, it's like it's it agriculture dealing with agriculture is an, an adaptive measure because as a result of climate change, we are going to see. Food, sort of, food shortages with drought, um, 
an ability to grow foods in certain temperatures, all that kind of stuff, there is going to be food shortages. So looking specifically at how do we deal with agriculture as it relates to climate change, how do we move forward? I think that's brilliant. Love to see that. Um, another thing that I was happy to see, but I don't necessarily believe that anything is going to happen there, was um, an outcome in relation to transitioning from coal to clean energy. Um, like We know across the board that coal um, and fossil fuels, things like that, are amongst the biggest contributors to our challenge as it relates to climate change. And the biggest form of mitigation being pushed is clean energy. Um, the energy sector is like the biggest sector <laughs> that is part of our climate change challenge. And so I saw things like um, putting money into it, investing into clean energy sources. What I really like to see is looking at people who currently work in the fossil fuel sector and looking at how they could help them transition into new jobs because I think that's a critical thing. I think that's a part of like the propaganda and the fair push behind leaving um, coal and fossil fuels is that we have so many people who are now going to be unemployed. And I think um, that was, I don't want to say brilliant because I feel like that's giving them, um, <laughs> that's giving them more, what is the word? Credit. <laughs> more credit than they deserve. But I think that was very inconsiderate of them. I think that was an insightful um, thing to agree on that like human resource, how do we help? people who have been working in this field for all their lives and we're talking about phasing this field out completely, how can we help them readjust? How do we help them move on to something that is more um, sustainable, more environmentally friendly? Um, let's see, is there anything else here? I'm in the currently in the um, in the clean energy one. Oh, another one is that they, they're promising that they would not issue any new permits for any new um coal-fired generation products so any new projects that would require would be using coal as a form of generating energy electricity all that good stuff um they would not be issuing they agreed as a global community to not issue any new permits for that i think that is well intentioned will it actually go that way Mm. <laughs> probably not but i think it's a nice um a nice point for them to agree on um i think that's a nice thing let us see anything else and um yeah they're talking about moving away from coal power generation in the 20 in 2030s and for um major economies to do that in the 2030s and then by the 2040s for it to be a globally um, consistent thing so in order for them to globally hit their climate change targets so that's that's those are the three main things that um that caught my attention i will continue to try to pay attention so i can have more objective thoughts to share um on the outcomes of cop 26 but i will 
wrap up by saying that while I think these are incredible points for them to agree on, and I think that, yeah, this is all great. Um, I like these points that they're agreeing on. I think um, we're moving in the right direction. But I think the challenge is that like the general consensus of people who actually care is that these are baby steps. We need to be taking bigger steps. And um, again, I think that there is still too much of a looking towards the youth for some kind of miracle. Like I saw they were having um, protests throughout, I think it's throughout the UK. I want to say maybe throughout the UK and the Europe and Europe. Um, I think it was last week over the weekend. I'm not for sure, 100% certain, but that's what I saw on social media. Um, and I think those, like, were young people-led. And I understand, like I was saying the last time, I understand, because, like, they, like, we, <laughs> I'll include myself in this, like, we're the ones who have to live with the world that the leaders leave behind. But I don't think that the burden of fixing it and making it right has to fall on our shoulders um that is not what the youth have to be doing i think the adults need to step up and get their shit together get their act together and like do what they need to do like that's just ugh. but yeah so that is my second take second hot takes not it's not hot it's lukewarm cold at best but these are my takes on what has been happening and coming out of cop 26